0: So first Thessalonians one would uh, be verses one through ten. Paul, Silas, and Timothy to the Church of the Thessalonians in God the Father and the Lord Jesus Christ, grace and peace to you. We always thank God for all of you mentioning you in our prayers we continually remember before our God and Father your work produced by faith, your labor prompted by love, and your endurance inspired by hope in our Lord Jesus Christ. For we know, brothers loved by God, that he has chosen you because our gospel came to you not simply with words, but also with power, with the Holy Spirit and with deep conviction. You know how we lived among you for your sake. You became imitators of us and of the Lord. In spite of severe suffering, you welcomed the message with the joy given by the Holy Spirit. And so you became a model to all the believers in Macedonia and Achaia. The Lord's message rang out from you, not only in Macedonia and Achaia. Your faith in God has become known everywhere. Therefore, we we do not need to say anything about it for they themselves report what kind of reception you gave us. They tell how you turn to God from idols to serve the living and true God and to wait for his son from heaven, whom he raised from the dead, Jesus who rescues us from the coming wrath. Um, suffering and joy,
1: these two words seem not so much fitting to each other. However, as I prepared the last sermon on the series of the Holy Spirit, praying these two words, suffering and joy, stood out to me. Before I, before I joined an a Baptist church in South Korea, in other words, before I left my previous denomination, Presbyterian, I and my wife had had a time of discernment for two years Whether it was worth it, living Presbyterian or not, for two years. As I read and studied about anabaptism, there were quite a few points by which I had been intrigued by anabaptism and Mennonite church, such as God's peace, standing against state church, rejecting infant baptism, emphasizing The Sermon on the Mount, position sharing, more of community-centered rather than hierarchical structure, etc. All were just great to me. But one of the most fascinating points of Anabaptism and Mennonite theology was its unbelievable endurance in suffering. As the oldest Anabaptists, except some violent groups, so many Anabaptists pursued God's words, the Bible, out and out serious, so they risked and sacrificed their life with great courage. Even when they had to be separated from their family, their children, they kept their faith based on the Bible. Even when they were facing death, torture, pains, and extreme dishonor, they endured it, believing they follow the footsteps of the suffering of Christ Jesus and the early church Christians. So as I had been discerning on transitioning from Presbyterian to Anabaptism, the attitude of the early Anabaptist people on suffering caused me marvel at that attitude of patient endurance. Then one blessing among the beatitude stood out to me. It was Matthew five ten, to 11. Blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness' sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you when others revile you, and persecute you and utter all kinds of evil against you falsely on my account, rejoice and be glad for your reward is great in heaven, for they persecuted the prophets who were before you. Here the blessed are the persecuted for righteousness sake, not the persecutors, right? Then I thought, of some churches in South Korea, whether they were persecuting or being persecuted, or were they siding with the persecuted or with the persecutors. I wasn't sure. It was not an easy discernment at all. (laughs) Through my study of anabaptism in U.S., as I learned of the pain, sufferings, and martyrdom of the early church, early anabaptists, one day I could think about the fullness Of the Holy Spirit in different aspect. In South Korea there were and there are many big Pentecostal churches including the biggest church in the world having David Cho there and quite a few not all though insist that in the power of the Holy Spirit you can be rich. So many times the fullness of the Holy Spirit is led to personal success, individual success, often Invoking supernatural power for the individual success rather than common good, similar in U.S. as well. I could view it differently as I studied about Anabaptism. I want to ask a question to you: Who on earth was the most holy person? The person who was the fullest and overflowing of the Holy Spirit. Who was that, the holiest person in all human history? Who, you would say? Who was the, full, the, the most holiest person in human history for us Christians? Who was that? Jesus. Yeah, Jesus Christ, right? Thank you for that answer. Okay, then. The most holiest, the holiest person, the fullest of the Holy Spirit. What was his end? What was was his mission? It was to be crucified for God's righteousness and for God's justice and for sinners to forgive them. Then God raised him up the apostles who were the pillars of the early churches receiving and experiencing the very great power of the Holy Spirit, most of them, including Apostle Paul, became martyrs. Then what can we say about the biblical result and outcome of the fullness of the Holy Spirit? Is it not suffering and martyrdom in accord with the Bible? This It's intense and challenging sharing, but I believe it's true. Today, so many people shout for social justice, but for them, voluntary martyrdom, even blessing the enemy, is something they can never agree to. But that's the picture the Bible shows us with the fullness of the Holy Spirit. From today's passage, we see how Thessalonian Christians received the gospel, especially on verse 6. And you became imitators of us and of the Lord, for you received the word in much affliction with the joy of the Holy Spirit. From the Protestant theology, I never heard of the baptism of blood. Never I heard. I mainly heard of the baptism of water and rarely the baptism of the Holy Spirit, but never heard of the baptism of blood. The baptismal blood is a tradition of the Anabaptist and Mennonite Church, which means suffering of the followers of Christ, including martyrdom. There is a song book named Ausbund. It's the songs sung by the early Anabaptist people. It is the oldest Anabaptist hymnal. Ausbund means paragon, epitome, or model. Galen Peters edited some early Ausbund songs. And in his, in his book, Allist Hymns of Auspund, page 266, there comes some lyrics at the, like this, quote, The Lord Jesus Christ, therefore, assigned three witnesses for us. The two are called water and spirit. The third, blood, that is suffering. End quote. If I stopped my sermon at this point, it should be too heavy only, Right? Then what should I and what should we do seeing and understanding of the unavoidable part of suffering in Christian life? Yep, I said unavoidable. It is said that not a few people today speak of Christian faith without speaking of suffering. Philippians chapter 3, 17 to 21 says like this, Brothers, And from it, we await a Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, who will transform our lowly body to be like his glorious body by the power that enables him even to subject all things to himself. Here, Apostle Paul speaks of enemies of the cross of Christ. Theologians and commentators have found it; it is not easy to identify those enemies of the cross of Christ Overall, they loosely agree that it can refer to the general lifestyle of the citizenship of the Roman Empire, enjoying and indulging in their strong appetites and zealous pursuit of earthly fame, power, and pleasures, and setting their minds mainly on earthly things, going toward destruction. I think it is plausible since Paul speaks of the citizenship of Christians which belongs to the heaven in the same paragraph the expression itself seems very crucial that paul said enemies of the cross of the christ of christ not enemies of christ here those enemies were firstly against the cross which is certainly connected to the suffering of christ furthermore paul was imploring to philippian church members even in his chains in a prison with tears. Some commentators admit uh, some possibility that Paul was also mentioning some believers in the church who had been insidiously drawn back into the earthly lifestyle, I mean the general lifestyle of the Roman Empire citizens, which was contrasted against the godly lifestyle of Christians. With that, I can recall a few, some pop Christian groups who believe that since Christ Jesus suffered for us, suffered wonderfully and completely enough for for his people on the cross, so Christians no more need to suffer, but only to enjoy the salvation and the blessings. No way. This sounds like enemies of the cross of Christ, removing the suffering part of Christian life, the critical part of our faith to Christ. The Bible, Jesus and apostles speak speaks so clearly that suffering in the way of Christian life is a must. I do believe that is true. Then, one of the most helpful points of dealing with the demand of the suffering in Christian life is to clearly understand the reasons for the suffering. Why? Why then Christians ought to suffer in this world, especially in discussing the Holy Spirit? I have three points with the reasons for suffering for Christians today. First off, the suffering happens and is required because it is a matter of values in this diverse society. In other words, Being a Christian and belong to a Christian community has something to do with faith. And this faith is about God, the holy triune God, whom we cannot see with our physical eyes. The Bible, which is central for our faith, is given, thank God, it is reliable enough. But nevertheless, it is demanding to have faith on God, who is invisible. We walk by faith not by sight. When I was younger, kind of it was easier to enjoy that invisible God in faith. The more I getting older, being caught up by all the surroundings I see with my eyes, it's a bit getting more difficult maintaining and developing and growing the faith in the Lord. When Jesus explained about the work of the Holy Spirit in John 16, Jesus said that the Holy Spirit will convict the world concerning sin, righteousness, and judgment. About righteousness, Jesus said it is because Jesus was to go back to the Father and those who were with Jesus wouldn't see him anymore. That being said, righteousness can mean faith that Christians make efforts on something invisible, which is certainly demanding. I believe, that, I believe that could be the first point of Christian suffering. Through our lifetime as Christians, while we cannot see God with our eyes, we believe and make efforts to believe God holding fast the Bible. And furthermore, we bear witness to God and his gospel. Bearing witness to something which cannot be seen and making serious efforts to show it and prove it with our words and deeds by our lives is, I believe, one of the main reasons why Christian life is a suffering in this world. This world, which usually requires something to be proven physically. The world is like science, which is out and out provable. With this, Apostle Peter gives a good encouragement and compliment to Christians in 1 Peter chapter 1, 8-9. Though you have not seen him, you love him. Though you do not now see him, you believe in him and rejoice with joy that is inexpressible and filled with glory, obtaining the outcome of your faith the salvation of your souls. Second, another certain reason of the suffering of Christians is righteousness and justice of God. I love so much the first words of Jesus in the Gospel of Mark, which is known as the first written gospel in the Bible. And in that first written gospel, the first words of Jesus are in chapter 115. The time is fulfilled, and the kingdom of God is at hand. Repent and believe in the gospel. Once I preached here about Galilee, in Mark, the young man by the empty tomb bade the disciples go back to Galilee to meet the risen Lord there. And with that, Mark 115 can function for all Christians as the Galilee verse. Because it refreshes memories of Christians about the very start of Jesus' public ministry and what was the only initiating message of the Son of God. Again, the time is fulfilled. The kingdom of God is at hand. So, repent and believe the gospel. What is the condition being pro- proclaimed here? It's God's kingdom being at hand. Then what is its imperative? It is repentance Repentance and faith on the gospel. So Christians repent and even keep on repenting through their lives. Moreover, Christians proclaim the need of repentance to the word, which the Bible condemns as sinful as a whole. So living in the word, trying not to be swept by its sinfulness, and furthermore delivering a message of repentance to the world, pointing out its sins and showing a better alternative example with with a Christian lifestyle. Isn't this a suffering? If we broaden the perspective of God's righteousness and justice, it gets even thicker and fiercer. John the Baptist pointed to the sexual immorality of Herod, the Tetrarch, and because of that, hated by Herodias, John was beheaded by Herod the Tetrarch. Jesus sharply stood against the Mosaic Sabbath law, deliberately healing many people on Sabbath days. In Mark chapter 3, Pharisees and Herodians discussed how to destroy Jesus because Jesus healed a man who was with withered hand again, deliberately on Sabbath day. Apostle Paul, he stood against circumcision. That provoked a huge number of Jews, and that had been one of the main reasons of the all afflictions Paul suffered. Galatians chapter 5, 11, Paul said, But if I, brothers, still preach circumcision, why am I still being persecuted? In that case, the offense of the cross has been removed. So all of them, John the Baptist, Jesus Christ, and Apostle Paul had a very specific point of their suffering and martyrdom against injustice and unhealthy, coercive religion. If we want to be, as Christians, responsible, conscientious, full of the Holy Spirit, we must discern what is right, what is wrong, what is good, what is evil, not only with Christian doctrine within the church, but also with God's justice and righteousness in our society, our local area, also thanks to internet, in the world. Some people justified colonialism, abusing the Bible. Some people justified slavery, abusing the Bible. Some people, nationalism church, some people indulging in materialism, abusing the Bible. Some people justified racism, abusing the Bible. Some people justified sexual, sexual immorality and gender confusion, abusing the Bible. In the worst case, I believe some people justified power addiction, abusing the Bible. There are many abuses, abusing the Bible and the gospel, which are one of the worst and the most harmful and hurting cases among innumerable miseries in the world, I think. That is partly one of, the, one of the main reasons why the church has lost its positive and authoritative influence in the world as well, I believe. I myself was an only church boy and only church man. I didn't care about politics, out of church, I just invest myself, my full energy on church and the gospel. And I believe it was, it was good. But as I studied anabaptism and Mennonite theology, opened my eyes as I studied especially 16th century anabaptism. So sadly, however, we also see today not a small abuse on the Bible in the Mennonite world, mixing up secular peace and God's peace, which are starkly different to each other. Pax Romana or Pax Americana and Pax Christi, can those two be well reconciled before God? I believe the Bible says by no means. Of course, we try and should try as much as possible to some degree. However, also we ought to know and understand its limitations and boundaries. To become a Christian means not only learning and sharing the great news of Jesus' gospel, but being firmly rooted in Jesus' gospel, also becoming more sensitive to the sinfulness of the world and also unhealthy aspects within the church today as well, and then act boldly against it still in love and humbleness as much as possible. Isn't this a suffering? Leviticus chapter 19 is about God's holiness, That the Lord is holy, verse 17, um, uh, gives, gives us much to think with. It says, do not hate a fellow Israelite in your heart. Rebuke your neighbor, frankly, so you will not share in their guilt. So the second clear reason of Christian suffering is because it has to do with the sins without and within the church. Without ourselves and within ourselves. We'd better start from within ourselves with all those beams in our own eyes. Isn't that a task? Isn't that task a suffering which is not easily found in the world? So now, the third reason for Christian suffering. I feel it's still too heavy at this last point, so pretty, may it become better hopeful and encouraging with this last reason. The third reason of the Christian suffering in the Holy Spirit is joy. Focusing on joy, I believe, can be the boutique and the most persuasive reason on the Christian suffering in the Holy Spirit. Let's go back to the beatitude, the last blessedness. Blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness' sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you when others revile you, persecute you, and utter all kinds of evil against you falsely on my account. Rejoice and be glad, for your reward is great in heaven. For, for, for so they persecuted the prophets who were before you. Even though it still seems as not simple and no ease to rejoice and be glad when we Christians are being persecuted and reviled, the last blessedness of the beatitude does give us a good clue for that. It promises and reminds us about the great reward in heaven. It may sound fairy tale if we do not have a good faith, but if we have a good faith, then it becomes able in the faith to rejoice amid any sufferings. That rejoicing comes from Christian conviction that there will be the ju- last judgment of God no matter what, and all of genuine suffering for Christ's sake will be rewarded by God. Also, there's a joy that we follow our Lord Jesus, his footsteps. It's a real honor for Christians to tread the footsteps of our Lord in our lives. We believe Jesus walked his talk that love your enemy and died for sinners' sake to save sinners rather than condemn sinners giving them a life-giving chance of eternal salvation. So we Christians follow Jesus' way to love our neighbors and even our enemies to defeat evil by God's goodness. This is a real tough work, but we know it is the most noble job human beings can imagine. The, The suffering itself is painful, but the reason is noble enough, so even joyful. As Apostle Peter said, we join and participate the most noble character of God. In Galatians 5, there is a list of the fruit of the Holy Spirit. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. I cannot remember who said this, but one person in South Korea said that All eight fruit could be all the different aspects of love. I like it. So joyful love, peaceful love, patient love, kind love, good love, faithful love, gentle love, and self-controlling love. And joyful love is the first one right after love. With this, it is worth remembering that Paul, in the prison, writing a letter to Philippian church, he just so many times encouraged them to rejoice. Isn't it irony that a prisoner encouraged free people to rejoice? How he could say that? Because he did believe the reward like a child and he took it as an utmost honor that he was following the footsteps of Christ, the footsteps of suffering, the suffering for the word for sinners. So this is my conclusion today. I spoke suffering is a must for Christians due to the invisibility of God and the righteousness and justice of God. Even more important than those, as we genuinely love our Creator, our Heavenly Father, our Lord Jesus who died for us and for the world, and the Holy Spirit who comforts, consoles, advises, and helps us endure the suffering, How outstanding and far-reaching is the joy in the Holy Spirit that I am and we are saved by the merit of the Son of God. As we pursue together the baptism and the fullness and the power of the Holy Spirit, as we keep on wrestling through varieties of Christian sufferings in our daily life. Hebrews chapter 12 verse 1 and two says, therefore, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us also lay aside every weight and sin which clings so closely and let us run with endurance the race, with endurance the race that is set before us, looking to Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy. That was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. As I ponder on Jesus' prayer on Gethsemane, My Father, if it be possible, let this cup pass from me. Nevertheless, not as I will, but as you will, Matthew. Matthew 26, 39. I see still, still the joy and rejoicing willingness of Jesus, God the Son, even in his hesitant and reluctant obeying the gruesome, seemingly gruesome and grisly and so thickly dark will of God the Father, because Jesus did believe and see in his faith the dazzling and all-restoring glory of resurrection. The victory over death and suffering, the victory which would ensue from the gruesome process, the result of joy, Jesus had seen that he could fully yield his own will to the will of the Father. Recently, I have been joining Worship Through Zoom with some Brethren in Christ fellows led by a Japanese pastor, Michiru Ishido who is the representative of Brethren in Christ Japan. So through Zoom, uh, Japanese Christians, American Christians, and me, Shinei, Korean Christians, do worship together. The Bible text yesterday was Romans 5, verse 1 to 5. So thankfully and meaningfully, it seemed so fitting to my sermon today. The Holy Spirit is at work, so I read it here. Therefore, since we have been justified by faith, And hope does not put us to shame because God's love has been poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. Whenever I struggle with my Christian faith because of my pride, arrogance, laziness, lukewarmness, hypocrisy, gluttony, foolishness, sinfulness, deceitfulness, lewdness, all of my own vulnerabilities, even though all those weaknesses are unbearably painful, even still, it's impossible for me to let go the joy in Christian faith because it's just simply so joyful by itself. If I have one thing I badly and deadly desire for my son, my beloved people around me, may those gain and carry and esteem that joy in Christ Jesus, the Son of God, from the Holy Spirit. Even we are surrounded many challenges in our time. As we believe Christ, as we see the cross, as we pray together, as we proclaim the gospel, as we read the Bible, we know and experience the joy in Christ in the Holy Spirit. The more we honestly read the Bible, we see the suffering of God's people. But that cannot quench the joy in God and our Lord Jesus Christ. So this is the conclusion. With some sufferings, Certainly but have the joy and enjoy the joy and faithfully and humbly share the joy of the Lord as we suffer in this world yet more, all the more rejoicing in the Holy Spirit. Let us pray together. Lord, as we wrap up the sermon series on the Holy Spirit, we shared about the suffering And the joy, in the Holy Spirit, as we make efforts to believe you, Lord. Even while we cannot see with our physical eyes, we make effort together to stay believing in you. And also, as your children, we make effort to be righteous and just,ice according to to your will. Standing against many sins in this world but the momentum the power from you we receive is the joy in the spirit that you sent your son to save sinners like us that we are being saved in your grace, your truth and your peace so Lord pour your Holy Spirit, that we may keep rejoicing even in any kinds of sufferings in our time, in our family, in our job, in our school, wherever, as we face whatever challenges or pains and sufferings as Christian identity, may we be rejoicing in you bold and humble may the genuine joy of salvation may stay in us in the power of the Holy Spirit and moreover we may share that joy of the Lord with those who do not know about the joy There are sufferings, and we acknowledge it, but it's incomparable to the joy you give us. So Lord, pour your spirit that may the joy abounding in our people, in our congregation. I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Now I want to invite uh, Joe Cross. We have a very good, privilege that we have a brand new song that he composed and that song is well fitting with our theme today so joe please come up and would you explain a little bit about the song and we will sing that song that song is in your
2: blatant as well first of all thank you sang bin for the great message and also want to thank wes for i a while back i gave him this song and Asked if he'd be willing to share it sometime, and so he gave it to Sung Bin. And at this point, um, he was willing to learn it. I'm not a musician to get to lead singing. Uh, I do sing solos when I'm by myself, but um, in fact, a Chevy pickup makes a pretty good sound booth when you're all by yourself. Um, this song, I don't, I don't have a date on it, and I guess it's timeless. Because there's many times when, in traveling, which I did a lot, when I just burst out singing, and this is the only one that is in print, but there were many others, um, just, just letting the words come that God gave to me. And I think, where did your joy come from? And in receiving joy and sharing joy, um, it's kind of like your cup runs over. You can't put more in it unless it runs over, and and that's that's kind of what this this song was. And I want to give credit to some of you know may know Daryl Hosteller from Bethany back in the day. He put the music to it. So I worked with him a little bit on the music and and. Uh, there was a gal at North Goshen, Jane Leatherman, who put the chords to it, That and we, we sang it some at North Goshen, which some of you may remember. But uh, So I'm, I'm glad to share this with you, and, and I'm going to let him, he was willing to learn it, and he'll be leading it, so I'll leave the stage. Thank you.
1: Would you stand up together? Here find the song in your bulletin. So this is a short song, uh, verse 1 and verse 2. Let us sing it twice, okay? And please follow me as much as you can.
3: share some with you i'm seeking i'm seeking the will of my savior seeking the joy of my